to very briefly and um, also uh, very perfunctorily uh, j- just go over uh, to just briefly cover this very interesting area of of or the very interesting idea of what criminal law does to um like the role that criminal law plays the role that criminal law plays in uh in contouring our identities um and contouring the cluster of rights that we hold as as citizens and as even as aliens in other territories and uh, all of that so uh, uh this is this is an attempt to just you know very briefly touch upon that um so when you look at criminal law it's a cluster of three kinds of law laws uh, so there is substantive criminal law what it does is that it defines offenses so um what constitutes murder homicide a uh, culpable homicide amounting so all of these are manslaughter etc they, they all of these are very different terms that are used uh at different places uh uh but basically what constitutes an offense that is the question that uh, substantive criminal law seeks to answer uh criminal procedure uh deals with how uh, a criminal trial will be conducted right so right from the time a complaint is made or the police receives information about a crime uh up until the time that uh the person is sentenced to prison right uh so all of the trial um uh you know what are the phases to a trial there's a pre trial stage then during the trial then post trial all of that that is uh, procedural criminal law that comes in the purview of procedural criminal law uh the law of evidence um uh is triggered during the trial to uh, uh so the end result of the criminal trial is either acquittal or um conviction yeah so uh and this is this is of course uh there's, there's also there's also provisions to the uh to the effect of acquitting of uh, the accused accused person is basically somebody who's uh, so f- for our purposes it's somebody who's charged for an offense but we'd also think of the accused more broadly more expansively as someone who's being investigated uh, somebody uh, 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 that uh, s- somebody who's under suspicion uh, vis-a-vis an investigative agency so we'll also think of the accused in a much broader manner at certain points of time but for now the accused person is someone who's charged of an offense so either the accused person is acquitted or they are convicted um and how that acquittal or conviction takes place is is that the court must be satisfied that this person committed the offense so that is your substantive criminal law right the the process uh, the kind of uh, the kind of hearings the kind of powers the court has to summon witnesses etc etc that is all where your procedural criminal law comes into place um the law of evidence is basically the law of um it tells the court to what degree must it be satisfied that the accused person the person charged with an offense committed a crime 
and to uh, and what are the means through which the court may legitimately be satisfied that this person is charged for an offence uh to go back to uh, to go back to a more abstract conception of criminal law how does criminal law work right uh and on a very broad level and of course there are exceptions uh, everywhere but on a very broad level the law of crimes essentially uh is premised on the assumption that a crime is something that is far more than just a wrong to an individual which which is a civil wrong that is the difference between a civil wrong and a criminal law wrong right a criminal wrong has implications on the society as a whole uh so what happens is that the state um uh, steps into the shoes of the uh of the victim essentially the state takes on that role so in a, in a usual in, for a civil wrong if um a commits a tort on b a causes wrongful loss to b uh uh a damages the property of b um you know accidentally negligently uh then usually b um has a right to approach the courts and seek a remedy what happens uh in the course of a criminal trial and the foundational idea is that the state assumes the role of the complainant takes on that role and prosecutes um uh, prosecutes the accused person and why it does that is because presumably this is not a wrong just against one person it's a wrong against society at large uh so at its very essence a criminal trial sees the pitting of two unequal op- opponents right it's the state right it's the state with its uh with, with its tremendous resources and with its inexhaustible uh um you know uh in the sense that it doesn't really matter to the state of course uh, the state does run on a budget but it doesn't the years that go by in a criminal trial are so much lighter so much like are, are much less costly for the state in terms of um the loss of liberty the loss of amenities etc etc for somebody who's um incarcerated uh even before being convicted right that that is pre trial detention we'll we'll speak about that and that is extremely common in fact uh, 60 to 70% of india's prisons and i think a, a good chunk of prisons in the us and other countries um are filled with people who haven't yet been declared guilty right so um yeah so it is the pitting of two unequal opponents in the setting of a criminal trial that is how the criminal justice system works that is the idea of criminal law when we look at substantive uh, criminal offenses uh what is a crime and what isn't a crime uh, that's going to determine when the state what are the circumstances in which the state can justifiably legitimately interfere into the sphere of individual autonomy uh, what i mean by that is that as people we have at least uh, of course this this is uh, somewhat disputed this is disputed uh, i think this uh, i i can't pronounce his name but i think there's this really prominent um, evolutionary biologist sapolsky 
who who insists that human beings don't really have free will but the idea the, the liberal assumption is that uh, all human beings have free will we have autonomy to choose but uh, substantive criminal law comes into the picture and it says that there are certain choices you cannot make and if you do make then the state can legitimately come in and prosecute you a very good example is murder so i'm allowed to hate a person um uh, there's also some amount of free speech and uh, so i can crib about this person etc etc there's also defamation so um and that's another tension that we can perhaps explore some some other day but i'm not allowed to kill a person so this the way your substant the way substantive criminal law is framed um places very real constrictions on the autonomy of individuals right um so and that is where the state can interfere into the realm of the individual and the realm of the individual um as the individual discharges may say a public duty and the private realm of the individual right there are so for uh, instances of domestic violence so the the state can uh, justifiably enter the private realm the home uh, of the individual so and and um and uh, so there was this uh, so to talk of a very prominent recent supreme court case uh in uh, uh, suresh kumar kaushal versus nas foundation and then this uh, um where uh, the supreme court said that the right does not matter because it's the right of a minuscule minority and then it goes on to and then this gets overruled in navdeep singh johar uh, where uh, they look at this legislation that criminalizes homosexuality it criminalizes unnatural uh, sexual acts and the, the, the one of the uh, arguments that the judges give uh, towards decriminalizing homosexuality is uh, the unwarranted infringement into the private realm and the private sphere and the privacy of individuals so we begin to see how um, and it's actually very apparent for for a law that criminalizes criminalizes homosexuality um because what it does really is it constricts your autonomy right everybody's autonomy to engage in certain sexual acts and it gives the state legitimate grounds to inquire into the nature of sexual acts that you're committing right so uh and that really shows you the the extent to which uh substantive criminal law matters and the extent to which it can um really define the the, the spectrum of choices the corpus of choices that we have um and that we exercise um uh as part of our individual autonomy right so um and procedural criminal law comes in a little later it comes in after uh say there's a complaint against you in india we have something that's called a first information report um sub- somebody steals my car i go to a police station and um i'll describe what happened and this will get noted down this is a first information report this is information received first in time uh it's meant to be a crisp and clear narration of uh the factual the facts of the incident and um there's a very prominent case that says that you you have to 
register it and the reason for that is um the fact that uh to give the police discretion whether or not to register the fir would basically mean that there is uh, no documentation of this discretion the police can always always has discretion when it comes to arrests etc but to not have any documentation of discretion means that uh, and discretion is something that we'll hopefully also consider and deal with at some other point of time so but the, but the but the point is that procedural criminal law comes in at a later stage right but it comes in at the stage where the fir is filed or where a complaint is registered against someone right um and it will go on to determine the kind of rights the whole corpus of rights you have uh once you have so basically we are not part of the criminal justice system right the the minute the fir is lodged against you you become formally part of this criminal justice system and the 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 criminal procedure the fir being right the first complaint so yeah so the criminal justice system so once you're part of the criminal justice system the criminal procedure code the code of criminal procedure or whatever law of criminal procedure you have um, in whichever jurisdiction whichever country you're from um that comes into uh you know that comes into the picture and what happens there really is that um um yeah so the corpus of rights that you have once you're part of once the criminal justice machinery has been um triggered against the, the accused really um is strictly restricted and pretty much defined by the criminal procedure code right or criminal procedure generally the law and criminal procedure um and that's most apparent so to give a very this is again a very indian example so that we have section 167 of the criminal procedure code uh, which basically says that if the investigative agency fails to file a charge sheet within 60 or 90 days depending on the kind of offense uh, from the uh, time of the arrest then this person can be released on statutory bail uh this is compulsory release on the non filing of the charge sheet uh so you can see how the 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 person's right to liberty and liberty itself and the autonomy that the person has in terms of being able to move about freely outside of prison etc etc all of that uh comes to comes to be defined and conscribed and um you know and there are ways to get more autonomy and less autonomy but all of that is built into the criminal uh, procedure uh, the law revolving crim- uh, around criminal procedure anywhere right and then we move on to the law on evidence and um, so usually for criminal offenses the burden of proof that the prosecution needs to satisfy the judge is proof beyond reasonable doubt which means that there must be no reasonable doubt uh, that must arise in the mind of the judge um when it comes to establishing the guilt of the individual uh, the way it often also works is that there are components to a crime and there are uh, facts in issue there are facts that need to be established to establish guilt that those are facts in issue basically the judge also has discretion um in instances where all facts in issue all components of a crime have been established beyond reasonable doubt and yet uh despite every element 
falling into place so the judge can still say that you know each element is satisfied beyond reasonable doubt but there is still some lingering mind in the uh, sorry some lingering doubt in the mind of the judge and uh, that is uh, that is the kind of discretion that the judge has and that is the burden of the prosecution really to to satisfy individual elements beyond reasonable doubt and to also go beyond this lingering doubt in the mind of the judge which is in the nature of a residual doubt right but the point basically and, and we might explore this some day and this this lots of grounds to cover really but the point is um the, the very simple point that i seek to make here is that um what the law of evidence does is that it comes in once the trial starts uh, or primarily comes in when the trial starts and it determines ultimately the question of guilt and innocence right um it determines whether that standard of proof has been satisfied or not it determines what are the documents you can adduce what, what is the kind of material that you can adduce and that makes a lot of difference because uh, for example if the investigative agencies could ad- adduce just about anything right if there were no constraints on what can be brought into a criminal trial uh then you know the, the value that is accorded to individual liberty it would appear uh, would be extremely less right um so uh, and and the the value accorded to individual autonomy and etc etc all of these values that that conspectus of values because what what that allows um uh, if just about any kind of evidence could be brought in during a criminal trial you've effectively diluted any standard of proof you don't need to prove anything to any extent really um so which is one way of looking at it um but yeah so the the point is that um substantive criminal law uh right from the outset it it defines what is legitimate state interference into the into the lives into into the autonomy into the you know into the individual sphere for any generic individual uh procedural criminal law usually comes in a stage later but there are very notable exceptions where it will determine uh determine the conspectus conspectus of rights available to the accused person and um right from 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 the pretrial stage and the law on evidence basically comes in uh, typically at the stage of the trial and ultimately goes on to determine the guilt or the innocence of the accused to the extent to which the standard of proof has been satisfied uh it is needless to say that criminal law can and does frame the choices the options within which we exercise choice and um and when we think of things like murder uh we think of murder as a very extreme decision right it, it's a very extreme decision and we think of our choice in much narrow terms even outside of the criminal law right so we think of our choice in much narrow terms and we might say that okay there are certain extremes so if you look at choice as a spectrum there are a lot of acts i can do and there are certain extremes like murder that i cannot do uh which would make this whole uh, a philosophical discussion on criminal law appear very uh, futile but uh, 
but but the the point is that not all of criminal law is uh, the law of murders right the law of homicides uh, laws can be framed and are often framed more broadly and to address a variety of situations there can be laws that ban protests more generally or laws that can you know indirectly uh, go on to impact the right to protest for example very broadly framed laws on unlawful assemblies and the like right so uh, one very major discussion one very major source of discussion in the coming episodes is going to be broadly framed laws broadly worded laws and the kind of um and and the kind of deprivations the kind of impact these laws have on rights and generally the uh, the the status that the individual has vis-a-vis the state but the point to make is that murder culpable homicide homicide generally the killing of human beings that is not the only crime and crime exists on a spectrum uh, so the way i see it civil wrongs and criminal wrongs ex- exist at, at a spectrum and some there's a there's this somewhat arbitrary point where the penal policy of the state basically the state deciding what is a crime and what isn't that's the penal policy um the penal policy of the state d- determines that this is the place from which we begin to criminalize individuals and uh the point there is that um since crime ex- ex- exists on a spectrum uh the manner it which uh, in which it curtails the spectrum of your choices is also much broader and and this is a plausible argument this is a possible argument um but not something i can establish at the moment we can think of situations where every choice is to a certain degree of intensity um uh, impacted by the criminal law right so every choice at a certain and towards the extremes when you go to very extreme choices like murder or suicide etc etc you see the cr- criminal law getting a lot more proactive and there's a the, the intensity of cur- curtailment has increased there but for even for seemingly moderate choices um you might very well have criminal proceed uh, uh, criminal provisions uh, that might impact the exercise of that choice in certain ways um maybe to a much lesser degree of intensity yeah so that's about it